Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Tackle Podcast. Uh, episode 10 now, would you believe, ladies and gentlemen, we're uh, we're getting bid to double digits now. Um, but as you know, we're the uh, podcast that brings you the weekly chat of sport. We just talk shit about sport for about an hour or so. Um, you know, we do talk about the news, we talk about the highlights and uh, openly some heroes and some donuts. It's about that sort of structure, don't you agree, Ross? I mean, that's what we're going with now. Um, but <laughs> how you doing, big man? You well? Yeah, very good, Leon. Very good. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I mean, uh, I'm getting through the week. Uh, it's my last week at uni, actually, this week. Uh, so I'll be pleased to get rid of that, uh, actually, and uh, roll on summer. I mean, admittedly, I, I I say roll on summer. This weather, I tell you now, if it could only make up its mind. One minute we got the Factor 2 on, thinking, happy days, you know, string vests and shorts, sunglasses, here we go. Next, next minute, you turn your back, hailstones. What's that about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? We uh, went to London uh, on the weekend, myself, Mrs. and, and the kids. Down to London. We went down to London and we went to uh, the Mighty Emirates. And anyway, I, mean, I don't we know were, about Mighty Emirates, but okay. The Mighty Emirates, <laughs> anyway. We stood outside, we're all huddled with this umbrella, of like, hailstones like you wouldn't believe. I was like, right, let's make a break to the club shop because, you know, we can get in there a bit of cover <laughs> oh no then, love everyone... we have to go into the club shop for shelter yeah what a shame oh, no. look at all <laughs> of these retro shirts that's a shame i want one of each but well, yeah, well, I, I, my shirt's probably... wet now i'm gonna need something else to wear next minute it's, yeah. you know, it's two, the account's down 200 quid and <laughs> yeah i think i need to get three of the uh three of the retro tops uh but yeah like we literally went and we just ran into the entrance like just with the hailstones, and no one had like about 10 minutes, but from one end of the shop to the other, they're like, no more sunglasses on. I was like, it's absolutely melting hot, sun's out. I'm thinking, what, what's going on here? But there's, just, two, there's one or two explanations. Oh. There's, there's one or two explanations. For me, it's a standard one, global warming. You know, DiCaprio's been on about it for ages. David Attenborough creeps crying about it every week. Um, but that's the only thing for, uh, well one of the only reasons for me is that it's global warming that the ice caps are melted and we've all been a shit house to, to planet earth uh, and this is essentially our payback or there's there's some evil genius like Dr. Doofenshmirtz somewhere with an evil weather <laughs> evil weather machine who's just playing silly burgers he's just like nah, nah fuck you in your summer you know prepare for hailstones which if that is true fuck you Doofenshmirtz you know give us <laughs> Give us the I 25 degrees. Mate, I just I want, want get... some sunshine. I want to sit outside in my shorts and not worry about getting absolutely pelted by hailstones. That's all I want. It's not too absolute... much fast. I always want to get tanned up and have a beer and, you know, and just chill out in the sun. Is it too much for us? You know, we can't go to Spain. And let, at least let Spain come to us. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Um... <laughs> Preach, brother. Preach. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you know you want to uh, get in touch with us in regards to uh, global global warming conspiracies or any conspiracies that matter, particularly about sport, I suppose we are a sporting podcast, um, get in touch with us obviously on our socials, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at TacklePod. Uh, you sort of know the drill by now. Uh, likewise, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Anchor, you know, all good podcast providers uh, that are available. Now, Roscoe, we are obviously going to start, as we start every pod, uh, with the news. And we were talking last week about how the super fight between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua for the Undisputed Heavyweight Championship of the World was on. It's off. It is off. It's 100% off. But at least at the time being, Wilder the shit house, 
as we reported last week on the pod that's come out and like, I want to fight Tyson Fury because a court of arbitration in America said so. Uh, and he only wanted $20, $20 million to step aside. Fury said no. 24th of July in Las Vegas. The gloves are on. Fury Wilder 3. What's this? What, what's your thoughts? Oh, it's just the whole thing's a bit of a, a bit of a farce, really, isn't it? You know, all this talk of getting the fight sorted, where it's going to take place, fantastic dates, brilliant. And then we're all just, you know, just got sort of gone. Uh, I love a bit of that. I love a piece of that pie. Thank you. I just, I just, I, uh, I, it's, it's just odd that, you know, it's, 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 it's all agreed. And then the court is basically shit all over them. What, what really gets me, okay, is that, you know, they got this court of arbitration saying yes Wilder has to fight and then um, anti-Joshua has been ordered to fight Alexander Usyk because uh, he's mandatory and I think to myself how long has Usyk been in the heavyweight division and he's been had one mandatory fight. he's had like, one fight like Dillian White must be sat here thinking how has this guy got this gig like is he I think he's been like done some things he's not proud of or something like, like, like how's, how has he managed to get that fight I, I reckon I he's got some, I, just... I reckon he's got some pictures of like the boxing commissioner, you know, shagging some bird. He's like, look, if you don't put me as number one you know, mandatory, then he's going straight to your wife. And he's like, oh no, 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 seriously, don't don't send them to my wife. Um, either that, yeah. or he does look like part of the Ukrainian mob. I'm not insinuate. I'm not saying he is. I might be insinuate, but I'm not saying that he is. Alexander, don't hunt us down. Um, but as you say, <laughs> very, very suspect nonetheless. Yeah, I think I'd much rather watch. Anti Joshua Deontay Wilder, wouldn't you? Uh, Anti Joshua Dillian White, sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd rather that fight than you see. Absolutely. And, you know, and that was obviously be sort of, uh, well, it's been going on a while there, you know, some bad blood. And obviously, Joshua beat a white before. Um, but it would be a good rematch. I, just, I have got one it, idea. Go on. I, I, I've got one idea, right? <clears throat> it's a bit far fetched. I'm all ears. Why don't we just get Usyk, Fury, AJ, Wilder? Dillian White, Joseph Parker. Let's I know do a you're Royal Rumble. I have Let's two do a Royal words. Rumble. Royal Rumble. Let's have it. Royal Rumble. Can then then they should then be known as the greatest heavyweight of all time. And I, then I, I'm just running out of there. It'd be a steals and ladders match <laughs> featuring Sheamus, Triple H, and a big show. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, just, like Fury comes like off the top the minute, rope. Isn't it? <laughs> but that's what it's like at the minute. Everyone's to fight everyone. Everyone's calling everyone out. And I'm thinking, like, why don't we but, just have then, a winner stays on, as you say, Royal Rumble, yeah. <laughs> and, just, and just bring your best. And may the best man win, last man standing, takes home the prize, everyone else is a shit house. Um, and then you can, again, once we've identified who the number one is, swell between yourselves who's going to get in line. But I do think, you know, all jokes aside, that is very suspect on the, the timing, as you've alluded to yeah. just there, and that, I mean... Don't get wrong, COVID absolutely hasn't happened, uh, hasn't helped rather the the sorting out of this fight. And it's been going on for a while, months of it's dragged on and dragged on. And I do think that neither fighter, particularly what I mean, I'm gonna go out and say it. I'm gonna say neither Fury or AJ particularly were absolute gung-ho for the fight. And the reason I say that is because if you are absolute, absolute determined to have this fight. Little details like ring walks and timings and stuff like that, it doesn't really mean a lot. Uh, ultimately, are you getting paid big bucks? Yeah. Once you're undisputed, can anyone take that away from you? Well, no, like that's happened. Like, you're an undisputed. And I do think to myself, like, why has it taken this long to get to, to the stage where you're signed 
Fury comes out on social media and says, oh, I've just got off the phone with Saudi Prince. And then next minute, it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's off, and I'm not really going to cry about it too much. I'm just going to fight Wilder. It's like, mate, I ain't being funny, Fury, but Wilder does have the potential to floor you like he's done before. And if you lose, that then does put your super fight in place. Surely you should bite, you know, bite the bullet, pay him the money, or do something. Um, because I didn't even hear anything about an appeal. It's like, oh, yeah, the court's made a decision. We've just got accepted. It's like, pretty sure there is always an appeal process. Get your fight on with AJ first. Yeah, and obviously there was a, the Twitter spat that we saw. Yeah, which I yeah, thought, yeah. Um, so I really don't know re- really on where to side in that. All, we, all I can say is the timing from Wilder has been very poor. He's been very quiet since he lost to, to Fury. And, then, and even now, he hasn't come out in the media and done much publicity, which... I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but obviously Fury's pretty mad adamant that, and I quote, I'm going to smash, 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 bang, uh, you're getting knocked out in the first round. Apparently that's what's going to happen. So look, obviously I want Fury to win because obviously, you know, I love Tyson Fury, I'm a big fan, but I want him to fight AJ. I think we all as boxing fans, as sport fans. We all want him to fight AJ, don't we? We all want that's to see. Fight. We all want to see. It's like, even if it's not, even if it's not for a belt, like I just, obviously not the bear, not, Obviously not the bare knuckle that that Tyson suggested, but which would be fun to see. Which would be fun to see. It would be fun to see, but like, uh, I, uh, what, what I think what happens is some, if something's talked about for so long and not delivered, people just don't care. I, you know, I like, don't think it's got to that stage. Yeah, we, we're going to hear about it in a year's time. Let's say, you know, Fury wins, AJ wins, then they're going to try and get the fight on, and rather than like the genuine buzz that you know I first had when I. When I found out this fight was happening and it was agreed this day, really looking forward to it. It's going to happen in a year's time and I'm going to think to myself, well... We'll, well do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of... Do you, remember when, um, do you remember when Floyd Mayweather beat Ricky Hatton and then it was a case of, well, he needs to fight Manny Pacquiao next. And then it was like on, off, on, off, on, off. And yeah. Then and, and then like Manny Pacquiao was obviously in his prime then. And I mean, a, a prime Pacquiao versus Mayweather would have been an absolute oh, spectacle. But then Pacquiao did pick up a couple of losses and then eventually they did a fight. But when they did, it was like, meh, meh, who cares? And I do think that sort of has the risk of, of coming there. But as we know, uh, Fury is fighting Wilder on July 24th. That is in Las Vegas. Uh, AJ uh, versus uh, Ollett. Olisk, Olis, how's that pronounced it? Usk. Um, Alexander Usyk, yeah. Usyk, uh, he's foreign, uh, he's from Ukraine. Uh, it's very nice, but likewise, we're undecided or it's been uh, unnamed so far when that fight's going to take place. Uh, so, hey, we'll look to see Watch how that works. Yeah, we'll look to see that one, boxing fans. And uh, obviously, when we get it, we keep posted. Sticking with boxing, big up Josh Taylor, um, Britain's first full belt, undisputed champion, super light, uh, super lightweight, winning on uh, on the weekend. Good for you, Josh. Toss again, toss a fury, um, part of his team there on, on ringside. Moving to rugby now, Ross confirmed, and I'm excited, not for any particular reason, uh, but fans have been confirmed, and they will be back for when the Lions take on Japan as in, as in the 1888 Cup. Part of their warm-up preparations for uh, for the, obviously the tour to South Africa this summer. Sixteen and a half thousand uh, confirmed. I may or may not be one of them. I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, but how good is it to see obviously more and more news coming out? Fans back into sport. Oh, amazing, amazing! The atmosphere 
even watching it on TV. I think the thing that's really sort of stood out for me, which I kind of realised with, you know, when they were playing the crowd noise over, is that even with these smaller crowds, the atmosphere and the noise that these, you know, the crowds are still generating is still unbelievable. Oh, mate. <laughs> I sat there on TV and I'm thinking, how many people are they got in the ground? I'm like, you know, even, I think, what an atmosphere. Uh, I've, and, you know, we, we've said it before, you know, being, you know, we've both been to Gloucester rugby games, you know, we've been to England rugby games and, you know, the, there's always seems to be a really good atmosphere. And I, I mean, whether you may or may not be going, that atmosphere is going to be bouncing there. I, 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 I will be going. I, I will be going. I don't care where. You will and, be um, going. This yeah, year, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm really excited. Um, and it was sort of on off and up. But nonetheless, I've got to think. I'll tell you what, I was at, I was at Ashton Gate when Bristol took, took on Gloucester. And that was one of the very first games uh, to see fans back in rugby union. There was just over just over 3,000 fans there. I'm telling you now, I was on the, I was on the side. And the noise, honestly, like, I just thought, if this is 3,000 fans... Yeah. I would. I want to know what like a packed out Ashton Gate would sound like on a match day. Honestly, it would be electric. It'd be insane. Um, but especially yeah, at Murrayfield good. as well. Sixteen thousand. I mean, you must be looking forward to that, Leon. Oh, I am looking forward to it. And as I think, I mean, part of me does think to myself, why is it only six? I mean, so it's twenty five percent of the overall capacity that they've agreed on. Um, and I do sort of question why that is. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. We still got. Obviously, Rona hanging about, but at the same time, that weekend is when, or you know, touch wood and whatever sort of God or whoever you want to pray to, got to believe in, um, you know, that is when the restrictions are meant to be lifted. So, whether or not I do question whether or not it's still sort of needed to space people out and have restrictions, but hey, nonetheless, just like it was at the FA Cup final, just like it will be at the playoff final, and just like it will be obviously at, at, at Murrayfield, it's great to see fans back. Yeah, totally agree with you, Leon. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for you, and I wish I could be one of the the lucky ones to get tickets for that game. Uh, I'm sure that's that's going to be going to be absolutely brilliant. Uh, I mean, some of the news that you know stuck out for me: my fellow left-handed golfer Phil Mickelson doing absolute bits. With, Go on, you know, big Phil. Sick major uh, uh, over in Hawaii. It, I, you you just can't write the guy up, guy out and. What I really like about Phil is how honest and raw his interview was. After I don't know whether you you've seen it or not, you know he stood up and he was he was just hundred percent honest. He said, "Look, this might be the last this might be the last one to win. I was never expecting to win this. You know, I'm not getting any younger." And he he was just so upfront about it. And yeah, I mean, fair play to him. Fair play I, to him. I, mean, I, I, th- I think as well. I think as well. It is that typical story of sort of a bit of a comeback king, you know, a bit of an underdog story. Like, yeah, they, he's been there and done. It's his sixth major win, sixth major sort of title win, obviously at the uh, 103rd PGA. But I uh, say, you, when you look at the, the lineup, you look at who was in, con, uh, you know, in consideration now. Obviously, Brooks Kepko was in consideration. Uh, Ustahazen was in, in, in there as well. So, you know, for him to uh, say, to do doing bits at, you know, almost... With the best, 50, yeah. Yeah, at 51, I'm just like, fair play, Big Phil. Like, you know, you're... You know, you're a G in my book. Yeah, one of the goats. I mean, well, did you say? To- oh, well, let's not get into that. That's that's for another podcast. One of, uh, one of, what, one of. What? Yeah. <laughs> Other great golfers are available. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in other news, here on today of uh, George Floyd's passing, I think, you know, I, 
I think it's definitely worth a mention. I think in sport, you know, we've, we've seen the movement, you know, taking the knee, the schemes that have come out with Sky, BBC. Um, I know BBC and Sky have come out together, um, especially trying to clamp down on social media uh, companies, making sure people are, you know, sort of held, being held to account, which I think, you know, is a positive step. Of course it is. But I think it's all right talking about it. We just need to start seeing action. We need, you know, we need tougher stances to be taken because, you know, let's face it, how many people, you know, all these fake accounts spewing, you know, online hate, racist comments, homophobic comments. And, you know, it's all right saying we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, let's actually start seeing action. And, you know, obviously it, is, it was a sad day, you know, a year, year ago today and, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's still raw for a lot of people. Yeah, and I wanted to bring this up as well. And obviously, Dr. Frank brings up Ross, and you know, it's still a big, massive sticking point, isn't it? Not just in our society, but and uh, you know, and sport. And I think the problem that we have, and the I say the really big issue is that as much as stuff has gone on and awareness has been done with protests and taking the knee and rightly so, of course, we support those movements as, as, as a podcast and as individuals, Well, you know, we've been vocal about that on this podcast before. I mean, just not, it's just not enough has been done. And, you know, when we talked about the super league and of Pat Bamford come out on that great interview and say, you know, when you're messing with people's pockets and money, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how many people sort of come out and protest. But when it's real life matters like racism, like where, whereas everyone to be seen, especially in sport, I couldn't agree with him more. I saw an interview from Martin Luther King, uh, the third today, um, obviously from from sent from the from the great doctor Martin Luther King Jr. And he basically said, you know, if players boycotted, if they literally said, we're not turning it up to play today, not the what we've seen before where they walk off the pitch, but we're not even attending the, you know, today's match. He said, you will see change overnight. And I I couldn't agree more. You know, imagine if Manchester imagine Manchester United turn up on th- on Wednesday or don't don't turn up rather on Wednesday in the Europa League final and go, Yeah, we really care about racism, so we're not gonna play in the final, we're not gonna play. I'm telling you now, Glazers will be on the phone, they'll be they'll be trying to get something done, they'll be there'll be movements tomorrow because this because that in turn messes with the pockets of these of these owners with messes with the pockets of these broadcasters and they will have to do something about it and it's a shame that that is a not i know what obviously what martin king jr is saying is that that is a an action that we take but it's a shame it should even get to that stage and that you know we're all humans and they're all people like we're you know we should all we should all do our best to 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 combat this hate and yeah look Racism is unfortunately still very much a part of, I hate to say, our, our our society and our culture, and it shouldn't be. But more needs to be done, as you say. We've been vocal about that on this podcast before. Um, but whether or not it does, it's it. Sadly, it's, it's it's to be seen. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. It is. I, I know that quote that you said of Martin Luther King, um, the third. You know about about sports stars, and you know. Just, just generally boycotting but this this is what gets me and this is where you know the sports need to go in a separate direction and take a, a, a tougher stance is that if for example my United say we're not going to turn up you know because because with racism they'll get heavily fined banned from UEFA 
but someone can racially abuse someone and just get a 10 game ban. Oh, this know, is this is which, which is the exact thing that someone else told his mates he was joining, so they all made a couple of quid off it, you know, like like Trippier did. And and that is my big problem with it. You know, everyone's saying maybe sports stars should start making, you know, a bigger stance, things like that. Look at Colin Kaepernick. Like, I, you know, people are saying, oh, yeah, people need to start taking a tougher stance. Look what Colin Kaepernick did. And I'm, I'm not being funny. He got absolutely torn hey, apart to the hills, really, didn't yeah. he? He ain't got a job anymore. You know, no. his, his exactly. one thing, the one thing he was good at, which obviously played about football, he can no longer get a job. And what did no. I say? We, we spoke before in this part about, you know, how many American football teams could really use a quarterback with his skills. Well, there is one available, but you're all a bunch bunch of racist mofos and you've decided to not select him. And it's just political for them, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. And that's a sorry state. It's just, I say, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, look, it's not about comparisons, is it? It's not about comparison, but, you know, we see a lot no, for, you know, we see a lot for, obviously, like transgender and, you know, the LGBTQ LGBT plus community, and rightly so. We see a lot for women and, and women's rights, and rightly so. Um, and you see all these good things about, you know, let's get more women on boards, let's do more stuff for inclusivity and, and, and so on and so forth. And we absolutely support that. What I don't understand is when it comes to stuff like enforcing bans on people and racism, and so it's as you say, it's almost treated as a as a as a lesser crime. I just don't understand. As you say, when when you've got bodies like UEFA, you see racism as the same as gambling uh, issues. Yeah. I just I just can't work it out. I just think who are these people in charge, and why do they think that that is acceptable? Why do they think that that can be treated the same? Oh, it's, it's ridiculous and more education needs to be done at the top level not just the bottom level with fans and people on social media and as much as that again as much as that is good but more needs to be done for like in these governing bodies to go actually this isn't good enough because it isn't and i say we're, yeah. we're, we're a year on from 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 that event there's been a lot of activate uh, uh you know um activism which is great to see but realistically we're still in the same place and it's, it's sad to see. Yeah, we are. Do you know what I did find sad, Leon? Um, Real Ferdinand getting racially abused. Um, and you finally get fans back in the ground and someone shouting racist abuse at Real Ferdinand. I know Real Ferdinand you know, came out on Twitter and said, you know, I'll you know, I'll let you know what it feels like to be racially abused. But, like, come on, like, you know, like, we Mate, should be yeah, pushing it forward and you get some idiot like that and you just think, and the worst thing is, is is a fit absolutely that that bloke needs to give his head a wobble right but the the thing is there are less fans in the stadiums right so it becomes yeah. more it becomes more obvious who it is there are still the same amount of stewards there right what the fuck is stewards doing what are the police doing oh I just gotta mm-hmm. let him stay there like well you should yours you should be in trouble for not doing something about it. it's your literal job to to ensure stuff like that doesn't happen if he was pissed up and calling someone to see you until whatever you'd throw him out wouldn't you from out and go, yeah, you're, yeah, drunk, you're, you're drunk disorder to get out of the stadium, but he does that to to somebody like Rio, who, regardless of who he is, he's at work, which he's working. And yep. you just you show, oh, I'm gonna wait until he's done, and then oh, then afterwards we're gonna do something about it. I just think to myself, again, you are Stupid. equally part, you are equally, you may not have been racist, but you're equally as part of the problem. And that's that again is the issue, but um. The other thing, just I know we're having a big rant on this because it, it, it fucking bores our piss, um, you know. But 
the point is, is that if Rio thought, fuck this, I've had enough of this, I'm going over. And if he banged him, right, he went up and just filled him in, he's the one get arrested. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah. would. You know, and again, that's a, and like he has every right to be angry. He has every right to be angry. And he's the one that's going to be in the he's and not only that, he'll be the one on the front page news got uh, front page news going, Oh, real Ferdinand fails in fan. It's like, okay, well, let's look at the reasons why that happened. Well, the fan was massively racist to him, but that won't be the headline. And again, that's another part of the problem, and that the media won't do anything about oh mate, fucking riles me up. Anyway, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, let's just move on. NFL. Let's go to the NFL. Let's go across the pond. Uh, my man, Hudo Jones, when asked if he's going to return to the Atlanta Falcons for, the, for their preseason, he responded, I'm out of there. When, regardless, one of the best wide receivers in the game. Well, where's put the Falcons? Where's this put my man, Hudo? Where's he going to go? Who can afford him? Where who 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 needs him is another question. We've just had the draft. What plenty of quality wide receivers have been selected. A lot of teams who would have wanted you now have got their roster filled. Where's this yeah. new man? Yeah, big problems. I think I think the problem is with Julio, you cannot question his ability. Like you said, he's he is right up there, you know, in NFL wide receivers one of the top five. But it's, I, th- I think you hit now I had with who can afford him because he's not going to be cheap. He's not going to take a pay cut. And um, I mean, he might, he might be a lovely shouldn't. bloke, but I mean, he might be a lovely bloke, but you don't know what he's like in a changing room. Are you going to want someone, not saying he's toxic, but would you want someone in the changing room that was sort of rub people up the wrong way? Again, he might be completely sound, real good team player, but you know that that could maybe be an issue. I know he's quite quite a big ego. Um, to be fair, when you're that good, quite rightly so. But yeah, I, think, I mean, where, where where does he go? I mean, he's got the cap space. It's right, well, I'm a good wide receiver, but you need a good quarterback. Absolutely, <laughs> you can have a absolutely. receiver. If you're going to get the ball. Well, absolutely. And I was taking a look. I was taking a look at this when um, when well, it was announced. Really, um, there are about eight or so teams that can afford him. Um, two of two of which you could definitely afford it, or, or two that he's being linked with with the New England Patriots and also the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Cleveland Browns also in the mix. Um, weirdly, the Baltimore Ravens are in the mix as a as a preferred suitor, although they don't have the catch, they probably couldn't afford him. Um, so really, um, but also the Chargers have enough cat space with obviously the emergence of of Justin Herbert coming off his uh, inaugural sort of rookie of the year season. He's coming into his second season at LA, um, obviously looking to do bits and maybe you know LA get him a weapon there. But realistically, it's probably a three way battle between the uh, between the Pats, the Niners, and the Browns. Could you imagine I think it'd be Patriots? Wouldn't it? But could, but could you imagine if he signed for the Browns? Having Julio Jarvis and OBJ, oh, oh Baker Mayfield, but they're still I mean, losing the playoffs anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, they could have because standard, because standard Browns. That's uh, just the Browns, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, they're literally like the 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 always always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, yeah, but definitely, yeah. I think you'll go Patriots though, won't he? With Edelman retiring, 
Well, Edelman's retired. Matt Jones obviously been drafted by the Patriots. He's likely to be their starter come week one. However, we obviously know that Cam Newton is still there. That he's they signed him to a one-year guaranteed contract, which does maybe question whether or not they activated too soon on that. Obviously, they couldn't predict this was going to happen with Julio. But yeah, I think maybe the Pats would be a good fit. He's a big star. Um, you know, they've lost the likes of um, sort of Antonio Brown as well. Um, so yeah, yeah they pro- they are in need of. of of a star wide receiver, definitely sort of in New New England. Um, could you not see him obviously moving moving across? I mean, imagine if he does go to the 49ers as well. Could he see the 49ers wow. back in the contention as a playoff team? I I think I think you could. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with uh, their quarterback situation. I mean, you know, you have got George Kittle, you know, all star tight end. You got the big wrecking ball at the middle of the field and you know they haven't got the worst set of wide receivers but you know you put Julio Jones in there they're you know they are going to be up there you know how good their defense is 49ers and they've got an amazing running game so you know Julio, Julio Jones goes there I mean they're going to be they'll take some stopping I'm, I'm sure they will but I can't get away with the fact I look at the Patriots and I think the last few years with Belichick at, at the helm I think he would probably want to make a big statement, get a big star in. And and I think that's what I'm leaning towards. But it wouldn't surprise me if he went to the 49ers. You know, they got a young coach, dynamic, real. The play calls are quite eccentric. Whether they want to get in on that. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It's to be seen, and obviously we're we keep a close eye on that one. Um, some already big trades going on in the NFL this year. You know, before and obviously well soon to be after the uh, the the draft. But say we're keeping an eye on that one. Um, Gingy Wijnaldum uh, came out on the weekend that Jurgen Klopp has confirmed that he will leave Liverpool. Uh, sticking obviously also with uh, with departures, Sergio Aguero, as we are aware, uh, will will be leaving Man City, um, where both of those players have been labelled that they will go to Barcelona. Yeah, it's been confirmed that Aguero has signed a contract to Barcelona, and uh, Gini Wijnaldum is confirmed to have gone to Bayern Munich, I believe uh, today. Bayern Munich well, now is it confirmed? Okay, the re- Bayern Munich. Mm. That's it. That's it. Because when I was re- when I was re- when I was obviously when we were doing our research and we were looking at it, it was t- told that he was going to Barcelona. I thought you know they're just he's just that midfielder that they've they've needed for a while. And if you have him, Aguero, Messi, uh, or like Barcelona sort of back in, uh, back in the big time. But if he's gone to Bayern again, you know I suppose we're now them replacing the the hole that Thiago uh, has left. Ironically, you know obviously he went to Liverpool, so it's sort of a one for one. Um, but obviously, yeah, big, big loss for, for Liverpool, I think. Yeah, huge loss. I mean, who who could Liverpool really look to replace him, you know, in that sort of, in that holding midfield, sort of central midfield role? Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one because, you know, Curtis Jones is sort of coming in, but whether he's not that central midfielder, I know they've got Henderson, Thiago, Minamino has obviously been out on loan, whether they look to sort of get him involved. I mean, you've got Naby Keita as well. You know, with Liverpool, they've had, they've had a lot in, you know, a lot of injuries. They've been they've been unlucky. I'm quite surprised that Genie Wijnaldum's actually been been let go, to be honest. I thought he was one of the more underrated players. Uh, you know, he was always sort of like N'Golo Kante, really. Sort of 
running it in midfield. So I was a bit surprised. But I think with Jurgen Klopp, when it comes to transfers, he's normally sort of sort of right, isn't he? So um, I'm sure there would have been reason behind that. There would have been logic, whether they had someone else lined up. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, I was a bit, bit, of a, bit of a surprise. But whether they bring anyone in, I'm not sure. How about yeah, you, Leon? Do you, do you think they would have been eyeing anyone up? Or? I think, I think I Liverpool, know, who could you see? I think Liverpool need to, first of all, get their squad fit more than anything rather than bringing in sort of additions. Um, because it's one of them in that if they bring in additions before everyone's fit and then suddenly everyone is fit and they've, they've got sort of an overload of mid-players midfield, they can only play so many people. You know, just like in defence, it's like, you know, if... if if Gomez and Van Dijk come back, great, but you have signed Kabak and you have signed that, what's that chap from Preston? So now you've got another two guys. Like Williams, over. yeah. Yeah. Well, so Williams got... is looking an all right player now, to be fair. Few yeah. He's adapted. But then he's not going to play for another few months anyway until they have another injury. <laughs> so. and, this, and, and, this is, and then he'll get frustrated. He'll go out on loan somewhere again. And then you should have this roundabout, you know, turn style of players. So um, I'm really unsure again, sort of who. <laughs> I think this transfer window coming up, and we'll probably come on to this sort of later in the later in the in, in the pod. In that transfer window coming up, will be very interesting because it'd be the first transfer window post COVID. A lot of teams have shown a lot of holes in their in their in their team, um, you know. And obviously, the one I mean, let's be frank, Man City are probably been the most complete side all season, likely to go on and win the treble. But however the loss of Aguero leaves them with only one out and out striker now, so they will definitely be in the market. For a striker, nonetheless, I say we look at if you look at every team in the Premier League or not just Premier League but in Europe in general, they've all got big holes, they've all got gaps, they've all got they all got they all need something. So yeah. it's but likewise, as we say, when you compare that to the injuries they've got, you know, the main claim for Liverpool is get their players fit first, then go after who's available. Because again, that's another thing. Just because you need a holding midfielder doesn't mean there's many available. We discussed obviously before about striker market this summer will be big. There's a lot of strikers available. When you think of midfielders, you're thinking very realistically, who can I get? Because the ones that you've got, for example, let's say they need a hold of midfielder, they go after someone like Declan Rice. We know how good Declan Rice is, but he isn't really available because he's in a long-term contract at West Ham. Therefore, West Ham could easily go, we want 150 million. Yeah, worth 150 million, don't get me wrong. But that's what they say to Liverpool. And be like, look, we don't have to get rid of him. You really want him. Let's make some money. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. So, yeah, I'm unsure with where, you know, and same with obviously, I'm unsure sort of who, who they can actually get. Well, but we, as we discussed, striker market's a bit more open than the uh, than the midfielders. But we wish them both the best of luck in their, their new clubs. Yeah. And in, in other news as well, with the uh, Euros fast approaching. Quite surprising in the in the Spain squad, there were no Real Madrid players selected, so no Sergio Ramos, the Iceman himself, or is still being selected. I mean, what did you make of that, Leon? I don't quite understand what's happening in Luis Enrique's mind, and whether or not he has or has not given his head a wobble, like we prescribe to some people. Um, I'm not sure if that's happened yet, but how can you leave a serial winner like Ramos out? You know, not only that, a creative midfielder like like Isco, people love it. And not only that, Real Madrid, Real Madrid have finished second. They only lost the title on the last day of the season. So potentially you could have the best side in La Liga because they would have been champions and you would have left all their players out. Because I, I imagine the squads are not selected on the day after the, 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 
the the championship concludes. They obviously uh, thought about you know thought about process. I mean, I think what's interesting with the Ramos um, selection is obviously in the news recently. Emmett Laporte switched nationalities. He's obviously only selected uh, uh, age group level for France. Never uh, represent crazily never represented in France in the senior level, which I find just bonkers that someone his his class and yeah. ability. But he's obviously joined uh, Spain and will be, I, I would almost guarantee, a star for Spain throughout the Euros. But to not pair someone like Laporte with Ramos, I think, is, is, is sinful. Whether or not you like Ramos and you, you think he's a, he's a good bloke, you think he's a bit of dickhead, leave him here or there, on football and ability, he's won everything. He's literally won everything. Like, so why wouldn't you want him in your squad? I, I question that. But let's, let's, let's not be around the bush. Luis Enrique used to be a Barcelona coach. Maybe it's just sour. Maybe it's just bitter about it. That mm, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that is a valid point. You know, you do you, you, that does sort of linger in the back of the mind, doesn't it? I mean, if if you were given, you know, a list of players that were eligible to be selected, and you got to your defenders, and you saw Laporte and Ramos, they would be the first two centre backs I would pick head and shoulders above everyone else. I know they are loaded with talent, but if, those two together, that would be like a bloody brick wall. I don't, if, I don't, I don't understand it. Not only that, but let's be frank, not just you, but not just if you were as manager, but if you were picking a Euro 2020 uh, fantasy football league, I guarantee they'd be, they would be most people's defence. Like Ramos, they, I imagine, would have been one of the first picks because I mean, you know, he even scored the penalties, headers, you know, free kicks, sorts. I don't, I don't understand how you know. Even if you're not keen, you're not as big as fan. At least have him on the bench in around the squad. His experiences would be absolutely massive. So I, the only, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of, is you know what we said with the boxing that Alexander Usk has got pictures of like mm. the the wb whatever you know shagging some other woman to send to his wife i think Sergio, <laughs> i think sergio ramos has actually shagged Luis enrique's wife um and then that is <laughs> that is the reason why he's been left out and it's like oh uh, yeah well yeah shag my wife are you want to go to euros yeah unlucky well obviously in the more yeah, spanish yeah, that's accent, what I mean. obviously in the more <laughs> spanish accent but um that's yeah, the only thing i can think of can't believe i've been picked and he's like i've got the picture and he's like oh no no fair play no, no, it's all good. And sticking with Euro squad announcements, Gareth Southgate has come out today and he has said that he's actually going to delay his actual 26-man squad now uh, announcement to the uh, 1st of June. But he has announced today a 33-man squad, Ross. Now, let's have a chat about this. Let's talk about who's in. More importantly, also, who's left out, what this means for England, how we see England moving forward and it's going to be an interesting week or so yeah I think it is I think it is uh, I want to go into a bit, a bit of a rant here but I just I feel like this is just do you want to do, do you want to do a, Ross's rant now just get out of the way just get just do oh, it it's just it's, it's a cop-out it is a cop-out I think he's I just worry that he's going to get so much stick he's gone but well, do you know what I'll do I'll, I'll pick I'll put everybody I'll put everybody who's had who's had an all right season and then that sort of take a bit of pressure off and then once I've seen them all train I can then get out the players that I'm, I'm not really sure about and then go with that squad I, I don't get why you would do it what's the point like you get all these players 
all, all of them the, called the, up. The, the one thing I can't squad, and then you get rid of a quarter of them. Stupid. The only thing I can't work out right is so when it came out a few weeks ago that I mean it was always going to be a twenty-three man squad, and then it came out a few weeks ago that it was going to be pushed to a twenty-six man squad to help out squads because of COVID, and then. Gareth Southgate was one of the first managers to come out outspoken and went, this is a shambles, this is shit. I've been planning all my teams and now I've got an extra three players I need to pick and I don't really know, you know, which... And now he's got it, 10 more. Yeah, now he's got 10 more. But he then came... <laughs> yeah, but he came out and he said, oh, well, the 23 players I'm picking, they're my 23 and they're my squad and the three players almost going as travelling reserves and I'm going to tell them they're travelling reserves. I'm going to tell them that they're not going to play unless there is an injury, which is like going on a it's like going on a date with somebody who's unbelievable, right? And then she tells you, tells you straight from the off, yeah, by the way, we're not having sex tonight. And you're like, okay, fucking cheers, love. But then he comes out today, right? And, t- and obviously says, well, I'm going to pick 33, three uh, men's squad, right? And obviously I'm going to go whittle it down. And then again, the same principles apply. So it's like him going, "Well, I tell you what I'm going to do." Well, it's like going again, going on the date, and she's going to go, "Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a date with you, but we're not banging. I'm also going to go and have a date with some other people. See how I get on with them. I might come back to you, and only if like if worse comes to worst, then 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 I'm going to shag you. That's what he's basically done. He's like the worst date roulette sort of game he's had with his players, and I just feel sorry for him. But I know that was a really weird analogy, but hey, I, hey, I'm talking from past experience. So, hey, <laughs> uh, that, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is, is to in particular uh, um, a, a, a turn, turn. A dramatic turn. You to, okay, the, Leon? You okay? It's a day. It's the it's the wonderful day in lives of Leon. I've got plenty of a Tinder story. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> that is for another podcast, uh, not a tackle podcast. That's a, that's a whole another tackle of issues, uh, shall we say? But. Anyway, yeah. moving on. I've got, moving on I've got from few, my terrible day in life. Do you know what this reminds me of? If uh, if Gareth Southgate did have but like English footballers, he had thirty three to pick from. He just liked them all. It's like, yeah, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. <laughs> That's the only way I can I could picture he's because he's pretty much picked everybody except for I don't know well, Eric well, Dyer, I'll tell you what, James Patterson. Let's 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 go, let's go through the squad. Let's go through the squad um, that he's picked. Uh, and we'll have a chat about. Oh, it. So, do we have to? Well, well we beers at Christmas. Well, let's just be over. So let's just go through obviously the goalkeeper very quick. Four goalkeepers: Dean Henderson, Jordan Pickford, Sam Johnson, Aaron Ramsdale. I don't fucking understand this, um, Gareth. Two of the goalkeepers played for the two worst teams in the Premier League. One of which was a goalkeeper for the worst team, one of the worst teams in Premier League history. I don't. Yeah, I, don't get it. I, I don't get no, it. Beyond me. I mean, Sam Johnson is actually a pretty good goalkeeper. I know they got relegated with West Brom, but, you know, he was pretty good. Aaron Ramsdale, I don't get that whatsoever. What about Pope from Burnley? He's actually he's been in- called up whenever you've needed him. Is he injured? He is, he is injured, unfortunately, and he has been oh, ruled out for, for injury. I think otherwise, Nick Pope would have... Ob- I mean, he's been class all season. Well, not fucking Ramsdale, he's shit. Um, defenders, obviously, for people at home that don't know, uh, Trent has, has recorded the England squad. The uh, continued injured Harry Maguire, uh, Tyrell Mings, the new La Liga winner, and in, in Kieran Trippier, who weirdly is the first Englishman since David Beckham doing the Liga. Who knew? Kyle Walker, Connor Coley, Ben Chilwell, Reece James, Ben Comfrey, uncapped, Luke Shaw, John Stones, and Ben White, also uncapped. I mean, Fico, yeah, Fico, Fico Tamori. 
Fiko Tomori is the notable absent absent as well, along with Eric Dyer in the defence. I mean, Fiko Tomori has helped AC Milan get to second in the league. And, you know, if you've got people like Maldini singing your praises, you're obviously doing something right. Um, so why he's not been called up over the likes of, again, Ben White, who hasn't, I mean, I wouldn't say he's necessarily performed very well for Brighton. Um, and Ben, well, Ben Godfrey is, I think he's played well for Everton this season, but is he going to get into the first team? We'll come on to that. Midfielders, Jordan Henson, Jude Bellingham, Mason Mount, Jesse Lingard, Declan Rice, Carol Phillips and James Ward-Prowse. Uh, and then lastly, with the forwards, Captain Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling, Ollie Watkins, Phil Foden, Bucky Osaka, Jack Grealish, Mason Greenwood and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Who is the standout player not to be in that squad for you, uh, Ross? I think an unlucky player, I would say James Madison. I right. I think he's extremely lucky, uh, unlucky, sorry, to, to miss out. I think he's, he's brilliant. I understand why, but I think that he, he's just extremely unlucky. I think he's brilliant. I, I think... Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think with James Madison as well, he's performed, you know, he's been, not only has he performed well, but he has been consistent with Leicester. And yeah, we've come on to the... Prone, hasn't he? But, yeah, but we, we've come on with yeah. uh, obviously Leicester when we talk about Premier League. But I think the thing, the things that stand out for me is, you know, Jack Grealish hasn't played for what I do well. Obviously he played, his return game was last weekend, but before that he hadn't played it for like four months. Um, someone like Jordan Henson hasn't played since February. I, look, we could, you know, you're then picking all those people on reputation. I don't quite understand, like, you know, because you, you know you'll get coaches go, yeah. oh, "I pick on form," and what, but you haven't picked on form, have you? Because you, no, you haven't. Jordan, yeah, yeah, Jordan Henson hasn't played. I don't know. We're going to get more hate now, like we do every week from Liverpool fans. Um, but ultimately, Jordan Henson hasn't played for since February. You know, by the time it comes, he would have had no game time. So, do you then throw him in undercooked? I'm not sure you do. I, you know, and look, there's obviously an element of well, what system are going to are you going to play? Look, we can talk about that sort of later on or another time. But for me, the biggest shock I can't understand. Is how the what, what does Pat what does Pat Bamford need to do to get into squad? Does he need to take pictures of Gareth, Shal- Gareth Southgate shagging someone else and say everyone sent to his missus? Is that what he needs to do? Because <laughs> because I mean to, to to score seventeen Premier League goals, so it's the the second highest Englishman on that list, obviously obviously below a uh, Golden Boot winner Harry Kane. I look at the likes of why is he not in the squad, but Calvert Lewin's in the squad or. Or Ollie Watkins. I, I just what more is I have, to do? I've got I've got an idea. Go on. And I may or may not. This is just my gut feeling. Please don't hate me. I just think if he didn't play for Leeds, he would be in. Like I I I, I can't see any other reason. Like Calvert Lewin is in. I mean, I know he scored a load of goals, but they were all pretty much in the first half of the season you know he's not exactly been on flames I think I think he's probably I think he's I mean I'll, I'll be honest I quite like Ollie Watkins but I, I would say Bamford's probably a better striker than Ollie Watkins I mean I don't know if he's better than Calvert-Lewin but I uh, yeah I would just I would just prefer it I'd, I'd, I'd prefer him over Calvert-Lewin and Ollie Watkins and yeah I was a bit surprised he hasn't he hasn't made it to be honest 
Yeah, and I mean to be fair, it's interesting that Phil Foden's been labelled as a forward. I mean, he's he, although he is an attacking midfielder, I wouldn't say he was a forward per se. Maybe that's just a way to get him in the squad. But I think on current form and well, for more this season, Phil Foden has been a class above and has, has definitely earned his right in the England squad. I mean. What do we see from this England squad? What sort of way do we think England are going to play? You know, who do we think are the... Because the way we've got to look at it is there's still, what, seven people that is that Gareth needs to get rid of. There are seven people that can't go, you know, on and play at the Euros. Do we do, we, do we go yeah. that now? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, yeah, goal, think... goalkeepers, you've got to get rid of one. I think we're in unanimous de- uh, decision. But... <laughs> Thanks for coming, Ramsdale. Bye. Yeah. I mean, oh, at least he, in a bag, mate. I mean, at least he gets some England kit, but you know, he can he can give it to his his mum for Christmas or something. I don't know. Um, defenders, defender. I I I don't see Ben White getting it. I mean, too fair. I say that it depends if Harry Maguire's past fit. I still don't even think he would. I don't. I don't even think he'd make it if Maguire wasn't fit. No, I don't think so. I mean, do you take say three right backs, three left? I do need three, three right backs, three left backs. I mean, take a look at the left backs. You have got Ben Chilwell, uh, Luke Shaw. I mean, Luke Shaw's been in the form of his life. Although we know how good uh, sort of Ben Chilwell has been, you know, consistently for Chelsea. Uh, you know, we look at right backs. You've got Trippier. Well, you've got four, four right backs. You've got Trent. You've got you got Trippier. You've got Kyle Walker. And well, and or Reese James, depending on if you class him, like, can play both sides, can't he? Um, yeah, I think that's the way Southgate was looking at it, wasn't he? I don't know, it was in his uh, presser, he was saying, I don't see four right backs, I see four really good players. I'm like, well, get off the fence, you know. But, like, you know, if they play a back three, Reese James should probably play the right, uh, you know, like right centre back. I, yeah, you don't need four right backs. I mean, out of there, I think you. you one of them is probably not going to make it, and I think it's going to be a hard decision. I think Ben White goes. I think Ben White yeah. goes. I probably will go far. I say is Trippier misses out. Wow, really? I think the reason being is because you know Trent, as much as he's been criticised this season, you know he's a big game player and he turns it on. And you know, attacking wise, you know, yes, the defensive in question, but I think he is soon to be a star. Well, of 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 you know of England. I mean, Kyle Walker has been one of the best right backs, not just for Man City, but the Premier League and also for England and, you know, for this season and in recent years. I think he is probably Gareth Southgate's starting right back. Um, yeah. So, so on that reverse, I, I, I think Kieran Tripper probably misses out, you know, unfortunately. And this is part of the problem when you can only pick so many players. I think looking at the squad and the way the squad are loaded, I think Southgate will pick more of a forward-orientated team and have more options picked from, which may or may not come back to buy him. Yeah, I think I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I I quite like Trippier. I think I think Trippier goes... I I really like Rhys James. I just think that he would be the one to miss out, I think. Do you not think he'd be I, picked I, because of his versatility? No, I don't. No, I think Kyle Walker will be that guy who will play... Um, you know, the right of the back three or, or, or right back. I think with Trippier, you know, over, over a dead ball, you know, free kick. We all saw that free kick, you know, in, oh, in, in, in only, the World Cup. Don't even get me excited. Um, don't do that to me. You know, I can remember you know, that. crosses, whipping them balls in. I mean, him and Trent over a dead ball. I mean, you know, you're going to get good service in there. And obviously we've got big, 
big hazard is going to be up top anyway. So, yeah, I just. But I mean, do you I then do not like think James that... a footballer? I just don't think I don't think he goes. Do you not think that there's enough quality in the in, throughout the rest of the squad to sort of combat that issue? You say of the dead ball, but if, you know we look at the likes of. I mean, oh, yeah, of course there is. There yeah. is. I just. I think I mean, they've just, they're, they're just strings to their bow, which I think Southgate will probably look at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, look, Ramsdale, the keeper, is, he's gone. Ben White, for me, he's gone. Um, we'll probably get rid of Yeah, probably. Well, I don't... Yeah, I think just just due to sort of experience and stuff, yeah, he wants to go with experience. He wants to win the tournament. And I think, unfortunately, young cat Ben Coffrey probably also misses out. Um, look at the midfielders, Henson. Mate, I, th- I say John Henson misses out. I don't think he's going to make it. No, I, th- I think I think you have to. I think you got to take Jordan Henderson. What, I think even, from picking even, England midfield, even if he's not yeah. fit. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I think, saw, I think that's a brilliant centre midfield. I'm not saying he's not a brilliant centre midfielder. And let's be frank, if he was 100 fully, if he was 100 fully fit, he's probably in my squad as well. But if you haven't played since February, you're going into a major tournament. And you've got no warm up time, no game time underneath your belt. It'd be fresh and, though. Well, there's two ways to look at it. One, you'd be fresh, or two, you're undercooked. You know, rusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when we because when we talked about when we talked about rugby union before and about when Saracens players came back to England, like oh they haven't played their rugby, they should be fresh. They played and they were fucking dog shit, you know, because they, they say they were undercooked and you know, unfortunately that may or may not. Hey, look, we're getting on to rugby now. That's a different kettle of fish, but you know that may or may not have contributed to England's performance in the Six Nations. And I don't want, you know, I think in holding midfielders, defensive midfielders, and the likes of Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, I think your sound is a pound. If Jordan Henson doesn't get selected, I think those two have got you covered. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if Calvin Phillips goes. He's really? the one I'm not sure about. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's probably because I, I'm not. I, I think he's a bit overrated. I'll be honest. I, I, I don't think. I don't think he's as good as what I think people make out to be. He's okay, but it, would I want him starting the Euro in an England Euro squad? Probably not. I mean, yeah. I, I think Declan Rice and Henderson are all above him. I, yeah, I've just, I just got a feeling he misses out. Mm. But then, I mean, you've got James Ward-Prowse in there, and I, I think it'll be Phillips or Ward-Prowse. I'm just leaning towards, I think, Phillips misses out. But I know Southgate's keen on him, so um, please don't hate me, Leeds fans. That's just my yeah. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, looking at the forwards, I think, looking at the forwards, there's, if anyone's going to... Oh, I mean, it's all tough because, you know, if you, look at, if you look at wingers, for example, well, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if all those... Forward stare. Maybe maybe Ollie Watkins or Dom Cavett Lewin miss out one of the two. I think whether one of the two also keep their place. But if you think of wide men, I think you know they're all near enough guaranteed the spot. You know, the likes of Rashford, Sterling, uh Saka and Mission Greenwood, Jack Grealish. We everyone talks about him, how England need to build a team around him, but he ain't fit. And we uh, we've taken unfit players to tournaments before we've taken an unfit David Beckham to tournaments before we've taken an unfit Wayne Rooney to, to tournaments before an unfit Stevie G to tournaments before and it's not helped England out and whether or not we repeat ourselves and we end up crash out to penalties to the Germans again probably will do but yeah it is I think I think the biggest problem is trying to is trying to work out what 
formation Southgate's going to play. Let's because, do this you now. Know, if you if, if you to pick a side, you know, if, if you to pick a side now, then in whatever formation you were you you wanted, if you were Gareth Southgate, what would we pick? Well, what would you pick in goal? Oh, uh, in goal is my major headache. I'm not certain on Pickford. I I maybe go Dean Henderson. Do you know he'll 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 pick Pickford, but I, I I'm at Henderson. Uh, what about you, Leo? I've got to pick my man, Dino. I think he is potentially... I mean, he's got to be the Manchester United goalkeeper for maybe the next 10 years. Um, and I probably think he's going to be, you know, the, the next England keeper, uh, you know, for the next two to three major tournaments. So I think if you're going, if that's going to be the case, look, Jordan Pitford's had his chance at major tournaments and not necessarily performed very well, not also performed sort of, you know, questionably against certain you know players in the Premier League for Everton. So... Dean Henson, especially played for Man United this season, I think has stepped up. And I, for me, I see him as both Manchester United and England number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, you're back. Well, how many are you playing at the back, Leon? Well, I mean, I, I like four at the back. I do like four at the back. Um, I think if Harry Maguire is fit, you can, I don't think you cannot pick Harry Maguire. Um, he... Though he gets pretty solid as a defender, and I mean him as a partnership, him and John Stones, I think that that's probably the best sort of centre back partnership that England could probably produce. I think Carl Walker at at, at, um, at right back, I think he's been the standout for me right back this season. And then I'm also going to go Luke Shaw as well for his sort of resurgence as, as form. But I think it is very tight between Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell, who's taking my my my, uh, my place at left left back. What about yourself? Any changes you'd make there, or you playing three? Yeah, I, I, I think I'd go with three at the back. I, I'm, I'm with you on on Harry Maguire. I don't think you can not play Harry Maguire. I definitely think John Stones. He definitely definitely gets he, the pick. He's been me. class for City all season, hasn't he? He has been absolute top draw. Oh yeah, yeah, he has. He has completely. Yeah, and I think I, I maybe throw Kyle Walker in there, um, in there as well. Just playing the right hand side of those. I Just think give him a pace. Yeah, a bit of pace. I, I think he's he's much improved in his actual defending. I know we know how how quick he is, but gets back, makes tackles. I think that's what that's what you're going to want. But yeah, I think for me, I'd I'd, I'd have the three personally. Going into your midfield, then who are you taking in your midfield? Our main man, Jordan Henderson. I think you got a Jordan Henderson, Declan Rice in there. Um, who else do I? Who else do I want? I think Mason Mount maybe in front of them. Mason Mount or or a Jack Grealish. I think I'd, I'd, I'd be looking at those. Uh, I'd be looking at those guys, and then out on the wings, I think I would have. Uh, I think Raheem Sterling definitely plays. Hundred percent. On the other side, I think Phil Foden. Um, you know, maybe Greedish plays out on 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 the left, and then uh, Foden in the middle. But I think maybe something something like that, like a three-five-two. I'd have those five in midfield. Yeah, I think, and that's that's a problem. This is a headache that Southgate's going to have. He has too much abundance Huge. up front now, doesn't he? Where obviously traditionally, I suppose England haven't. But for me, I look. I, you know, I'm I'm going with a four-two sort of almost three-one formation. 
But I think it, you know, if Jordan Henson is fit and he is fully fit and he's ready to play, I think he gets a start. But I can't see it happening. So I'm, for, I'm not going to pick Henson. I just don't see it happening. I think you can't look... For, I mean, if you're going to have a hold of midfield, though, Royce is your man. Um, I'm probably going to go with Grealish, a gay fit, sort of next to him. Uh, I'm going to play in a 10 role. I think Phil Foden. I think for me, Phil Foden is future 10 for, for, for England in, in sort of that central attack and midfield role. Um, with a front three of 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 Rashford on the on the left, Sterling on the right, Harry Kane as as the point man, but I wouldn't be surprised if almost you know if if Southgate plays almost like um, a four four two with a diamond formation, would not be yeah. surprised that and goes old you know old school with two two boys up front just because of the about firepower that sort of England now have, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because Yes, we, we probably have the ability to create now more than we ever have done. Yes, we have the ability to, to score goals. So that does make you want to play three at the back and get as many of those outfield players as you can. But if you're up against the likes of a, you know, a Netherlands or Germany or, or Portugal, they're going to park a bus and, you know, and they're going to keep you on the break. And, you know, they will be quick. And if they catch you, they score, they park the bus, that's it. They win sort of 1-0. And we've seen it happen too many times before, haven't we? But... I think well, that's well, that's what we think. Yeah, we have. Pick. I think either, either way, there's going to be some players missing out. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Marcus Rashford. You know, and we talked about Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho. You know, these absolute electric players that could probably walk into ninety percent of any football team. So I'm sure it's a you know lovely position to be in. But what formation he goes with, I. I don't know. I can see him going with the four three three, maybe the four two three one, like you said. I. I think the three five two will just give us a lot more going forward, but I think I, I know he sort he tends to tinker a little bit. So you know, if we're playing against a, a team that's probably going to sit back, then I think he'll probably go three five two and go. You know, we're attacking, get some creativity in there. I mean, Harry Kane's got to start up top. You say you, you say know. that you say that, but when we played San Marino a couple, a couple of months ago, play five at the back. I thought we're playing against plasterers and plumbers and people who work in shops. We're playing five at the back. The fuck are you doing? Yeah, um, I think play five at the back, but like a three-five-two, really, wasn't it? And just just those left back and right back as such was sort of kind of play left and right mid, really. But yeah, I just it's it's difficult to know where he's going to go because you know if he if he didn't play Sterling, he played Sancho, you'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, fair enough. If he didn't play Grealish and started Rashford, you'd kind of understand it so I mean it's a lovely position to be in I can't remember the last time you know with with an England squad looking at all this depth talent you know so you know I'm going to be positive and get get right behind them I can't wait for it to be honest I can't believe it's only a few weeks away all I'm going to say and I'm not one in 10 fake no Ross but it's coming home it is and coming home. It's coming home. And ladies and gentlemen, if you think it's coming home and uh, you have, you sort of agree with our picks, by all means, get in touch with us at the Tackle Podcast and, and sort of let us know what your thoughts and feelings are on Gareth Southgate's squad selection. But definitely a lot of selection headaches of Gareth, you know, in the coming weeks and months. Um, uh, yeah, we'll we see what happens. But I think it's time to move on, Roscoe. I think it's time. And we move to a bit of rugby now. Back in the rugby, European Cup final. La Rochelle, 17, Toulouse, 22. The 
the absolute giants of European rugby to lose coming back in a forte and getting their fifth star on the jersey. La Rochelle, first, first final they've been in, never ever won a major uh, trophy in their history. Roden Algaro doing bits to the French boys over there. Was it a final that you thought it was going to be or did it sort of disappoint? I think selfishly, I thought it was a little bit disappointing, but that's purely because I wanted to see loads of tries and everything else. But for me, I thought it was a really good final. It was tense all the way through. You couldn't really take your eyes off it. Again, the crowd was absolutely was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you know, it was a real gripping finish. It was, it was yeah, you know, brilliant game. Shame there wasn't obviously more tries, but, you know, that's like, you know, you said a boxing match, you know, if you get two real good boxes, if you're a boxer, you're thinking they've put a great performance and other people are like, oh, where's all the knockouts? Do you know what I mean? So it's sort of one of them, you know, it was a really good tactical game of rugby. Uh, you know, we played rugby as well. So we were sort of sat on the, sat on the edge of our, of our seat watching it. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, it sort of, it sort of took a little time to sort of boil over really, didn't it? It was just... Um, Bit, bit, bit of a slow start. I mean, I know your, uh, your, 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 your famous uh, crush on Bottia is unfortunately. Uh, oh, don't give me sorry. Don't give me sorry. A little don't bit. Give- don't get me started. Don't get me started. It was a conspiracy, I tell you. They were all <laughs> against him and they knew what he could do. And they thought, well, you know, if, if anyone's going to ruin Toulouse's day, it's going to be my man, Levani Boyer. But uh, let's talk about that. Yes, at the end of the day, it was 100% a red card, unfortunately. Um, what, what annoyed me was uh, when Stephen Jones uh, of the of the Toys came out and he said, oh, it's ruining the game. And uh, and actually, like you know, it's, it's not ruining the game, mate. It's just ruining one bloke's afternoon, and that's the fact of the matter is, is that he got his timing wrong. Yes, it was you know, on first glance, I thought, fuck me, what a hit he's take. You know, he's broke this bloke off. Yes, when you slow it down, it makes contact with the head. As you know, we say on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, make contact with the head. You get the red. That's what happened. Yeah, the red. Yeah, you get the red. That's what happened. And you know, I felt a bit sorry. He's abs. Look. We also need to get away with this thing about intention. Like it was never ever intentional, wasn't it? But at the same time, he's made contact with the with the with the, with the lower part of his jaw, I think. And you know, he, he of course he's a, he's a wrecking ball. He's a, been the best weapon all season. He wants to, you know, make an impression. Unfortunately, he gave a penalty, which was yellow for, for obviously hitting the broke not ten. Then does that yeah. against a red card, but. Nonetheless, I didn't. Th- Do you know what? I think Larishau were a bit bit naive, and I think it showed in their first final on that. You know, the first 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, they were camped well in Toulouse's 22, 22, using their forward power. We knew that was going to happen coming into the game. They were a fucking massive pack. Like, one of the biggest packs, obviously, Willie Scouting, you know, for example, Antonio, Pacadara, Titan, Aldrit, Victor Vito, you know, you name it, they're all massive. Danny Prizo as well, my man, um, doing bits at the scrummage. But the point being is, they were camped in, the, in, in, in Toulouse 22 for about 20 minutes, came away with six points. That's what they did. They were scrummaging, yeah. scrummaging, you know, didn't get anything from it. They, you know, they were getting out, trying to play wide, wasn't working, they dropped the ball. They thought they were scoring before they scored. Again, I, I, I felt a bit sorry for it because their effort, you know, didn't pay off. They didn't get the reward. I think maybe it shows that, you know, my man Ken Barlow, um, 
you know, he's left Coronation Street for an afternoon, obviously played at Twickenham, but maybe he was part of the problem and that you don't have a nine and 10 going, you know what, boys, let's calm it down. Let's just scrummage him. To, we don't care if we have eight scrums, you know, as long as we get a penalty try out of this, get one of their boys in the bin, we go again. Rather, or, you know, we're thinking, so boys, you know what, we're wasting too much energy now. Let's just take the point. Because that's another thing. They used so much energy in the first 20, 25 minutes trying to score points, and, and they didn't. And then they had the red card. Yes, okay, they couldn't have seen the red card was going to happen, but they're then playing with 14 men for the rest of the game for over an hour. So you've just wasted a lot of energy trying to score, which you didn't. You've now got a red card. And as Borrow Driscoll rightly said, sort of at the, end of the, at the end of the game, you're fucked in the last 10 minutes then. And I think that showed. I think the credit to La Rochelle, though, is they still showed dogging them. They showed dogs oh, massive, didn't they? Yeah, and look, they're learning their lessons absolutely. And I think this isn't the last we've seen from La Rochelle. I think Ronald Regards did a great job, but let's just come on to Toulouse. I think if you've got someone like Anton Dupont, he's a big game player, he's European player, uh, player of the year. Congratulations, Anton. Um, but he'll do he do big game stuff when you need him to, and, and that's what he did on the weekend. And I thought he almost put Colby in, in a corner, great sort of try to save a tackle. Um, from my man Bryce Julian, but I think Toulouse weren't able to get in their rhythm. They weren't able to start throwing the ball around. They were in their face. Antomat was under pressure. The back row were sort of keeping them in the fight, but ultimately, so so were La Rochelle's back row and, uh, you know, get, getting stuck in. But look, it wasn't a free scoring affair that we thought that would happen. Most finals aren't, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, look, red, red card included, to lose, deserve to win the game. If Botia stays on the field, I think it's a different game, you know? Yeah, I think I think La Rochelle, I think they look back at it, I think 14 men, you know, West hit the post with two kicks, which, you know, ultimately they go in, you know, that that's a, a penalty and a, and a conversion. You know, you, you then tied, so... Yeah, like you said, the dog in them, they have with 14 men, you know, they're the intensity for all 80 minutes. And even at the end, you know, Intermark gets the ball, it's still 10 seconds, you know, he's trying to kick the ball off and uh, the clock's not gone dead, you know, they got away with it. And, you know, they right, right to the last whistle, they, they give it a go. And, you know, like you said, in the final, that that is what you're going to do. But yeah, I think La Rochelle, I think it's when that got away. I think to lose. They just have experience, been there, done it, got the T-shirt, just did enough, I think. You know, they just did enough to, to keep La Rochelle at arm's reach. And I thought, I and thought that when I was watching the, I winners. Thought, yeah, and I thought that was watching a game. You've got the likes of, you know, Jerome Kano, uh, you know, you've got the Arnold twins uh, sort of in there, Charlie Fabuino, you know, you've got two, Max, uh, Maximilian Mars, for example, you've got two World Cup winners in there. You've got somebody yeah. who's paid 70 cats for France, you know, you've got some guys who've played over eight times for Australia. You've got the experience of, you know, they, they've been in finals themselves. They know what the crack is. And I'd say maybe that was a difference ultimately on the, uh, you know, on, on the day between the two sides. Not to say that there isn't no, there wasn't any experience in, in the La Rochelle squad, but it didn't seem like it came through. There was nobody saying, boys, what are we doing? We're on top here. Let's keep this going. And similarly, you know, we make reference now to the, to the Challenge Cup game between Leicester, Montpellier. So I don't know what happened there, Siri, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But as I say, we make reference to the Leicester-Montpellier game. Leicester losing a point uh, 17-18 uh, to, to Montpellier. So uh, French teams all around the uh, Champions Europe. But 
again, another 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 issue where Leicester on top at, in the lineup, Leicester on top in the forward, you know, more than scrum time, set piece, set piece, set piece. They move away from that for some reason, and lo and behold, they lose the game. They lose their foothold in the game. And yeah, I didn't get that. It's weird. Yeah, and again, that's where you probably want somebody. And I, I think you see it so so much in professional rugby now, where they're so coached to play in a certain certain way and what have you. And it doesn't. I mean, look, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but what is shown versus what happens maybe two different things. And that the reactions or somebody going, "Boys, what's going on? Let's call a shot. Let's change it up here, or let's keep doing what we're doing." Doesn't seem to be reflected. Can I just mention whilst we're on the pod, what a cracking job? Luke Pierce and uh, the officiating team did in the, in the Champions Cup final. I thought they had a cracking game uh, and yeah. showed how games should be officiated. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the communication I thought was was brilliant. I love the fact that the the rest are mic'd up, and I love the fact you know giving it is is best with uh you know with his with his French. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, the, it's just like you know, sort of trying to go. Above and, above and beyond, you know, he could have quite easily just sort of kind of just bellowed out in English, but you know, he gave it a go, and yeah, communication with all the other officials was was brilliant, and I think that's that's what we like to see. There's no controversy, you know, the game unfolds in front of you, and yeah, yeah, brilliant, completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole fact that he's bilingual and he's trying, and just the elocution of of breaking down decisions. Why have you made that? Why have made this because of X, Y, and Z? And talking a, a quite uh, systemic logical view I thought is exactly if you know for any anyone watching at home whether you be a ref or not or official and you be, this is how we should ref the game and okay maybe there's have the personality of of, uh, of of Nigel Owens but I mean hey he's, he, he might not be Nigel but he's Luke he's fair place to Luke but yeah, worthy winners to lose congratulations, congratulations. On, on your fifth year of your uh Fifth European Trophy, La Rochelle. They say it's not the uh, it's not the end uh, for them. Absolutely not. We'll uh, I'm sure we'll see them soon on the European stage. Right, Ross. As you know, Premier League on the weekend was the last day of the season. Now we're not going to go into every single game. We'll be here all day. Um, I've got probably our listeners already like fuck me. Hurry up this podcast. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, what stood up for you on the last day? There was obviously massive results, you know, for example, one standout City battering Everton 5-0, but last day of the Premier League, it was rounded up. Did everything go according to plan? Everything go, go, go ahead like you thought it would? Or what was your surprise? Yeah, I, I expected a few twists and turns. I think I think we had that. Um, yeah, I thought Leicester were extremely unlucky. Um, obviously, the fact that they were, they were playing Tottenham, I was willing them on probably even more so. Um I mean, that was a bit of a surprise, you know. I, I, I thought they were, you know, well, they were favourites to beat Tottenham, and I expected them to get a result, you know, after being top four for, you know, what over two hundred odd days, and you know, last game of the season, not quite getting there. Must be a bit frustrating. That did make me laugh. You, I was just like, of all, yeah. Of all, thing is, you got all the people saying how, how good they've had a season, right? How good Leicester have done all season, and also how shit Liverpool been. I was like, worst champions. It's like, right, who finished in the top four? So, hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think people have to have some perspective as well. You know, Leicester will be gutted, but if you would have said to Brendan Rodgers beginning of the season, you're just going to miss out on Champions League football just the last game of the season where you give. As a run for their money, I'm sure, you would have absolutely, you know, took your hand off and, and would have taken that. 
but yeah you know some some twists and turns I think it kind of went how you kind of expected it I don't think there were any sort of major surprises I think I think Chelsea was a bit of a surprise losing away at Villa considering that was a must-win game I think Tuchel might have uh, been a bit alarmed by that you know with Chelsea coming up to the Champions League final you know after you know in Man City you thought you know they were in good form Man City might you know been a bit worried about playing Chelsea so be interesting going into the Champions League final how that's going to uh, affect Chelsea you know whether that has affected them or you know that might that might fire them up for the next game so yeah interesting um, what about you Leon anything that sort of caught your eye I mean yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward I think what I'm more interested in now beyond you is not necessarily what happened on the last day or some things that we can point, uh, point fun at I think the thing is, is what does this mean for clubs? We alluded to earlier in the podcast, what does this mean in the summer? A lot of clubs are probably going to have some of the biggest summers in their, maybe in, in their most recent history, I would say. For example, well, we look at Tottenham, they're, you know, they're going to lose Harry Kane. They're probably going to lose, they've lost Gareth Bale back to Real Madrid. You know, they've lost, they're probably going to lose a couple more players. They don't have a manager at the moment. You know, they've got a stadium that they still need to pay off. Where do they go? Because they need to, you know, this what we alluded to when we talked about the Super League, they're a Champions League team, not in the they're in a Europa Conference League or whatever that is. I'm not even sure what that is, but they got a Champions League team paying them Champions League money and they're not in the Champions League. So there's that to contend with. You know, yes, we've talked about Man City. They're losing Aguero. They need a striker. Whether or not that's a pretty easy fix, obviously, with Harry Kane readily available. You know, Manchester United, for example, they were on the uh, they were wrote off last season. They're gone. They're they're in mid table side, and now they're finished second. And they're apparently they're resurgence under Oli. Oli's at the wheel. That's, you know we've known it all along. Um, but yeah, then you look at the bottom end of the table. You know the likes of Newcastle, sleeper joint. You know they are taking uh, the Premier League to court over their proposed buyout. Whether or not that then goes ahead, do they then have a big summer? You know you've got. Uh, You've got others, other sides like Arsenal. I'll leave you to talk about Arsenal. Right, actually, let's come on to Arsenal. This will be Arsenal's biggest summer coming up, I think, or has to be, should they be competitive again. What do they need to do? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Well, one thing I do want to mention, because this is Arsenal's uh, you know, worst season in 20-plus years, you know, we still need to finish one point behind Tottenham. So uh, don't get all up in my grill about how North London's now white and all this rubbish. I mean, technically um, it is white. They did finish above you, so... Yeah, just... one point in our worst season in 20-odd years. But anywho... So, um, so, you know, so you know when you talk about joint, joint places? Oh, interesting. Interesting. That's uh, all right. No, no, no. We definitely finished behind them. But it's just, it just one point, so... Oh, okay, uh, just want to confirm. Yeah, just confirming. Yeah. It's going to be... Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, because it, everyone talks about... Playing, playing in Europe, that's how you're going to attract, you know, the biggest names, the biggest players. Arsenal have no European football, so who who do they attract? Is is it going to be a blessing in disguise for Arsenal? There's not going to be the midweek games. There's no travelling. I know you say that Europa Conference League that that Spurs are in, but just some perspective, the final of that is in Albania. So good luck, and. Yeah, good luck. Good luck not getting mugged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, good luck not getting mugged, and it's it's, it's going to be 
interesting. Who who stays? Who goes? I'm absolutely buzzing that William and David Luiz have both gone. Although I read, <laughs> I read today that William wants to go back wants to go back to Chelsea. So we'll see what happens there. I I, I doubt it. But like you said, it's it's, it's going to be. It's going to be huge. With without European football, is that going to give Arsenal a bit of an advantage? You know, having having that rest. But then, if you can't attract any big name players, I mean, Arsenal at the minute. I mean, the way we started the season, I didn't think we were going to finish. You know, eighth where we did in the end. It's actually not that bad a result. You you think some of the teams you wouldn't have thought would have finished above Arsenal. I mean, look look at West Ham. I mean, what a job well, David Moyes has done. I was I just mean, coming on coming on to that actually. When you talk I mean, Guardiola about... got Manager of the Year, didn't he? He got Manager of the Year, but I'm sorry, but the job Moyes has done from last year to this year has been amazing. I don't want to hear Guardiola being the best manager. He's got the best squad. He's got the best resources. I mean, if he doesn't win the league, it's a bad season. I mean, David yeah. Moyes have got West Ham into Europe, and you know what? What a job he's done. What what a job. I just. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fair play. I mean, that's the thing that caught my eye, really, looking at the season in a whole. I just want to come on to that, actually, when you mentioned about, yeah, okay, Arsenal haven't got European football, so who are they going to attract? But let's be honest, let's look who has. And you've got the likes of Leicester and now West Ham, who traditionally haven't necessarily been able to top. Uh, sorry, attract top top players, like good players, nonetheless. But you know, but, but now they're played in Europe. This it is it is a sell to some players, and someone will look at the likes of West Ham now and like, okay, London London based club and yeah, in Europe, yeah. Why, why maybe we don't want to go? Nice. And maybe now this is you know, again, where we talked about you Europe Super League and the likes of people at West Ham. We go, well, we, yeah, they, you know, if they have another good season, if they get you know, you know, top five again, top six, or whatever, or whatever they get next season. Yeah, they'll be starting knocking on the bottom, like, well, why, why aren't we included? And rightly so, especially if, you know, Arsenal and Tottenham almost implode, like they like they sort of have done over the last seasons. I do find it funny, I feel the other day that they spent almost 50 million on Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid to join, but then Atletico Madrid go win the go win the Liga. So, uh, lucky Thomas. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, but, as, long, as long as Partey never shoots again, I'll be all right, because he's probably one of the worst finishes or just the worst technical players Mate, I've seen having a shot in the world. He couldn't, fi- <laughs> he, he couldn't finish his dinner, let me tell you that much. Honestly, uh, couldn't. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I say, nonetheless, it's going to be a big summer, some big transfers and let's be honest, a lot of, you know, there's been two transfer windows where clubs haven't been able to spend. So, I can some, see some big cash going along, some big names as, we, as we've talked about or on other podcasts um, available. So, Watch this space. Um, just going to have a quick mention of the playoffs. Brentford Swansea on the weekend. Not the Swans. Uh, friend of the pod, Tom McCarron, might be listening to this. Uh, he's a Swansea fan. So, yeah, sort of from, from the pod to you, Tom, we wish him all the best. But realistically, who do we see sort of winning? You know, who should go up? Who can, who, who can really afford to go up? Oh, I would like to see Swansea go up, I'll be honest. But yeah, I don't think they will. I think, I think Brentford will have too much. I can see Brentford coming up uh, for me. I think they... I, I'm really interested to see Ivan Tony play in the Premier League because he has been absolutely killing it in the Championship. So I'd love to see him him up and and getting on. That'd be good. I think... Sorry, sorry, Tom, but I do think Brentford are probably the better, <laughs> probably the better side and would probably put up more of a fight in the Premier League. But... 
I didn't think Leeds were going to finish where they are. So, um, and I've been wrong many a time on this pod. So I don't need to remind you of how many times you've been wrong, Ross. But um, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm edging towards uh, to to Brentford on this one. It's interesting, you know, play out play out final is one of those games that you know is labelled the richest game in football. Um and obviously you know the, the team wins gets gets all that lovely cash. But I think on the whole, Brentford probably I mean they have more of the squad opposed to Swansea probably were the better elevens sort of words, but Ivan Tony has been doing absolute bits of the bees. Uh, you know, and whether or not he can do it in the Premier League, yeah, there's a chance once with Newcastle it didn't work out, but like we sort of uh, be looking forward to that. That happens obviously this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, beyond Sky Sports. I'm sure we've covered Ross's rant already, Ross. So we're on to hero and donut of the week. Hero of the week goes to one man for me, one man only, big Joe to Corey. Not only, not only does he win Champions Cup and he goes, you know what, I need a souvenir. Unlike you, he couldn't dive into a club shop. Uh, so he decided to take the corner flag at, at home with him. And he still has corner flag. There's pictures all over Instagram. And let's be frank, when you're six foot eight and you're 22 stone, you're, no one's probably coming up to you ask for it back, are they? No, absolutely not. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, up hero, fair play. If you can't, yeah. I mean, you can have the medal, but if you want the medal, you can have a corner flag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone else, every every other of my teammates have got a have got a, got a medal. They haven't all got a corner flag, have they? Who's a real winner? Huh? Riddle me that. Exactly. There's only one man. He, he, you, sir, are the hero of the week. No one else stood out for you, Ross. No, I think that, that's that. Uh, I agree with you on that. Like, what? Well, uh, I just want to make an honourable mention, obviously, to we mentioned earlier to uh, to Big Phil Mickelson, you know, to be to be fifty years of age or you know almost be fifty one, still be doing bits on the PJ tour and picking up silverware. You know, the tip of the hat to you, sir. Congratulations, donut of the week or donuts, shall we say, Ross? Donuts. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I do want to give an honourable mention to Gareth Southgate. Just pick 26 players, for God's sake. Forget this whole 33 bollocks and getting all the people on standby. Just pick the 26 players. God's yeah, sake. What about stop, you, Leon? Stop keeping your dates in your maybe pile. Either cut them off or put them in the friend zone, right? And, or, and then bang the ones that you want to bang. Stop this horrible, I'm going to play around with you. And you're like, oh, yeah, we'll do something someday, but actually we're not going to do something someday. We're going to string you along. And then next week you're sliding into DMs at 2, 3 in the morning going, oh, are you, are you a... no, you're either committed to this or you're not committed to this. And that took a dark turn and we're back to Donuts of the Week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> donuts of the Week, for me, go to the uh, Mercedes Formula One pit stop team. Just, uh, they've essentially cost bought us his 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 podium unfortunately and potentially winning the Monaco Grand Grand Prix uh, which obviously was later won by by Max Verstappen big up Max Verstappen but you know you can argue they couldn't get the nut off uh, of the wheel they wouldn't come off so even if they had a big hammer they wouldn't come off it, 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 I was listening to it while I was watching it when it's happened apparently jams the axle so it, you know even if you did have a big hammer it wouldn't come off but nonetheless that is their job their, their job is to ensure sort of uh, a, a swift pit and it led to him retiring from the race so Mercedes, Donuts of the Week, unlucky. And that, I believe, ends our first double-digit episode there, Ross. Yeah, absolutely. Great fun. Lots to talk about. Great banter. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean we've covered pictures of some of people's misses being up for grabs. 
we've talked about or we've just you know we've took an insight into my terrible day in life you know we've obviously covered racism and how that more needs to be done and how much of a legend Joe Takori is really I don't think it gets much better than that uh, but ladies and gentlemen, likewise, if you do think it does get better than that, or you have any suggestions for us moving forward, by all means, get in touch. We haven't had anyone uh, as well, Ross, I just want to mention, I'm a little bit disappointed because we've had nobody else uh, sort of come to us and want to uh, hashtag tackle the pod. So if you are looking to tackle the pod, by all means, slide in our DMs, we'll put uh, some more stuff and we get, get a bit more out on our social media than we have done previously. Um, by the way, that is, a, like we said at the start of the podcast, on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can obviously, if you're listening, you probably don't need to tell us where you could where you can where you can listen to us in the future but if that's everything guys it's a goodbye for me it's a goodbye for me and don't forget to like and follow and share on all of our socials we really appreciate it thank you very much guys take care bye